You're listening to Shared Sagas, an Australian RPG actual play podcast. This podcast features adult language and adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, this is Nadia from Shared Sagas, an Australian actual play podcast. Today we have our first episode of GM versus PC, where we discuss topics that are close to our heart. Uh, this week's topic being origin stories. Today I have with me our illustrious GM from Shared Sagas, Tom Bagley. Hello, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> And with origin stories, we're discussing a few things. The origin of how both Tom and I got into this hobby, the origin of both uh, our campaigns and characters and how we create them, uh, and the origin of shared sagas as well. Yeah, exactly. A whole bunch of origin stuff happening, which is fitting because it's our first bonus episode and our first universe PC. So start at the beginning, I say. So first up, uh, we're going to discuss Tom's origin story. So we want to know how you got into tabletop RPGs. Tell us a little bit about that story. Right. So I have the very firm opinion that I have probably the single weirdest RPG origin story ever. It's just really, really odd. At the age of six years old, I invented role-playing games after reading a Where's Wally book. You heard it here, folk. <laughs> folks. We've actually got an extremely famous person. We've got somebody who created role-playing games. Now, I was not the first person to <laughs> invent role-playing games. Uh, I believe that goes to Gary Gygax or whoever people want to argue was before him. But the fact of the matter is, with no previous exposure to role-playing games whatsoever, I'd never played Dungeons & Dragons. I'd heard the phrase Dungeons & Dragons because this was, I think, 1987. And so it had definitely been around and had hit its peak and all that kind of thing. But as a little six-year-old I didn't know anyone that played it and so I just thought it was a genre so for me Dungeons and Dragons was like saying space opera or sword and sorcery I I just thought it was a a, a kind of fantasy so me and a good friend were on a family vacation and the Where's Wally book or for our American listeners the Where's Waldo books the first one had just come out and we were just pouring over that and it's just it sounds like just the silliest thing in the world but one of us turned to the other I think I turned to him and said, listen, hey, imagine if you were that guy pointing to this random person on this gigantic page with a whole bunch of stuff going on and said, if you were him, what would you do? As is typical of those books, there was a very weird situation going on on every inch of the page. And he just said, oh, well, you know, I would do this. And we, did, <laughs> we just sort of came up with it there and then of me saying like, okay, cool. So if you wandered down here to this little area of the page, then what would you do there? And all that kind of stuff. And I would just through GM Fiat just describe what, what the outcome of whatever madcap thing he wanted to do. And then the one thing that I had played, of course, was uh, Choose Your Own Adventure books. I had, I had not yet played a Finding Fan book or any of the more complex stuff but my primary school library did have the entire collection of just the actual original sort of choose your own adventure books and so then we you know eventually put the where's wally book away and i just said okay cool well let's try that again but like we'll do it like a choose your own adventure but i'll be the book and you know it's a very simple thing and i swear i cannot imagine that i was actually influenced by anybody else 
describing what role-playing games were, but we basically just came up with it. We, we didn't use any dice or anything like that, but that was that was it. We were off to the races, and I just called it, you know, this fun adventure game thing. And I just went back to primary school and would just do it with all my friends and no dice, no books or anything like that. It was basically just me improvising a story and having them, you know, do decisions. Uh, originally, I started it off by actually saying a list of options for them. So rather than saying, what do you do? I would say, so, you know, you can open the door or you can fight the goblin or you can do whatever else. And then one of my friends had the actual sort of fighting fantasy style books or the lone wolf books. I can't remember which one. And that had the little D6 dice mechanic. In it. And so we thought, well, rather than have a million arguments about whether you do in fact fight the goblin, let's actually just bring those little mechanics in there. And then eventually, I think it was my year two teacher said, uh, you realize you're just playing Dungeons and Dragons, right? <laughs> and we, <laughs> and she was wonderful. And she, cause she was a role player and she had actually integrated little sort of RPG style games into our classes, more sort of a, what do you call it? Sort of like a mock UN type situation with, you know, groups, yeah. uh, debating things. Early gamification. It, exactly right. So basically the combination of all these things led to us just, you know, sitting around rolling D sixes and essentially playing a fighting fantasy book, but, you know, leading to there. Uh, so pretty weird origin, really, coming from a Where's Wally or a Where's Waldo book and just, you know, actually coming up with it myself. Obviously being influenced by Choose Your Own Adventure books which and gaming books, which came from Dungeons & Dragons, which by this point have been out for well over a decade. But my, my, my takeaway here is that, you know, it would have been invented even if Dave Arneson and Gary Gygax hadn't. I'm sure I'm one of a million little stories like this before and after. I definitely give them full credit for popularizing role-playing games and leading to the whole hobby, but I mean, somebody would have eventually done it and probably had done so even before they did. I, mean, yeah, it's I, think, really- I think storytelling um, at its core is something very essential to human beings and their psychology and how they process things around them in the world um, and just wa- wonderful, weird, beautiful things that our our brains do and I like that it kind of came from your situation kind of came from a very organic development of imagining what it was to be this character and then it grew from there and mechanics came into it and it just kind of like organically developed into something that was close to exactly right exactly right and then I guess just to follow through to the end of that story my first actual published role-playing game that I played was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles role-playing game by Palladium, which was wicked fun. And I was a, what was I? I was a kickboxing kangaroo called Steven. Cool. Any particular reason you were called Steven? I, I think after, after my uncle. I, I just thought uh-huh. my, my uncle's really cool and he and he was and is still really fit. He was a really fun... <laughs> I, I love this idea of just like, yeah, I'm a mutant ninja turtle. What's your name? Steven. Oh, wait, no, you're a kangaroo. I was a kangaroo. You're I was a mutant a, kangaroo. Uh, excuse me, I was a... Steven. I was a Muay Thai kickboxing kangaroo because I was a fan of Jean-Claude Van Damme. So basically, it was a combination of Jean-Claude Van Damme, my uncle, I think Tank Girl comics by that time. I don't yeah. know why. Yeah, because I, I was really into... And this game was played through my best, some of uh, our friends that lived up the road and they were a family who had some teenagers and they're the ones that brought all these you know, really, really dark comics. So we actually read the TMNT comic series, the original Eastman and Lair one before the cartoon show mm-hmm. came out. And so me and my friend Zach, who was my age, were like, oh, this comic, this TV show is all, is all happy and bright, you know, <laughs> it was that weird thing. But yeah, so we played that. And then I played actually about two or three other things before actually finally playing in a proper 
Dungeons and Dragons campaign. But that was pretty much it. That was mine. How about how about yourself? What was your origin story? What was your first game ever? Well, I think where I kind of came into enjoying tabletop RPGs is quite similar to you in that, you know, I would tell myself stories and adventures. I grew up kind of fairly isolated as an only child and so running around kind of in the backyard creating weaponry for myself and developing stories and essentially role-playing and even cosplaying in character just around 10 acres in Yandina was kind of where my imagination was at. But it wasn't until much later uh, and I was 17, I think, where I had just graduated from school. I was uh, involved with a, a group of people of very backgrounds. Um, They're all kind of of that geeky alternative persuasion. A lot of them were reenactors and a few of them played tabletop role-playing games. And so the first game that I was ever involved with was Vampire. Now, I can't remember what was out at the time, if it was Requiem or Masquerade. I can't even remember. So both would have have been out by then. I can't remember which one it was, is is the issue then. But basically, it was very free-form. It was we were the kind of group who you know, we liked the aesthetic of it. They're all kind of, you know, gothy type people. And so, you know, the idea of vampires in an urban fantasy setting was really, really appealing. Mm. Uh, and telling stories, you know, within that world is really appealing to me as well. But I, I kind of just was invited to this event. We all sat down on the floor of someone's kind of, you know, low rent apartment in Paddington. Oh, yes. And we had people who were simultaneously very serious about their character and role-playing and were into that kind of, like, dark, you know... Method ...angsty vampire stuff. And then, you know, we had somebody else who created a granny vampire whose weaponry was throwing cats. <laughs> so it was it was a really... It was a really mishmash experience of different player styles, uh, a GM who knew the rules, kind of, but wasn't particularly willing to enforce them the rule of cool or the rule of weird was very much (laughs) very much supported so i kind of got into this just loosely crazy storytelling over many hours sitting of the floor and and you know drinking cheap red wine and then really i i got into more regular role playing and then started to really become involved with the hobby when I met you and I had access to a regular GM uh, with something that be kind of became a part of my life and then became a bigger and bigger and bigger part of my life and then Hmm. wanted to start creating for games as well so yeah nothing as exciting as inventing role-playing games i think i probably (laughs) had a fairly average origin story but um it's largely about being lucky enough to have people around me who had an awareness of tabletop role-playing games um because 10 i mean that's over 10 years ago now that was very much niche that was very you know the the basement dwelling of geek hobbies and still is largely to a degree but much less so now though much less so now because we've got things like critical role we've got twitch streamers mostly we've got things like popular culture references and stranger things and big bang theory and community and all of these other tv shows that have made fun of uh, often quite you know with love sure um this hobby it, it's starting to you know i can kind of mention to people you know what they ask you what do you do with your time and you go oh, i really like tabletop role-playing games and they go oh what's that and you go oh do you know like dungeons and dragons mm-hmm. and a lot of the time they'll go oh 
oh, yeah, 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 critical role and, you know, stuff like yeah. that. And, you know, if they don't do that, you can just go, you know, that thing in Stranger Things where they are playing around a table and being really nerdy. And then it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, so you can, you know, often it used to be needing to explain from the ground up what role playing games were because people had no frame of reference. Yeah. And actually, that was a question I had for you as someone who would likely have been at least vaguely aware of role playing games before you actually tried them for the first time. What was your perception before you actually sat down and gave it a go? And was it very different or did you think you had a good sense of what it would be like before doing it? I really couldn't conceptualize it. Um, part of, I mean, what I should have, uh, what I should have put in, in the story of my, you know, involvement with role-playing games is when I was a kid, I walked into a very beautiful antique bookstore and I actually found uh, what I guess would have been the player's handbook for Redbox. Oh, wow. Something like that. Um, it was definitely D&D and I remember the cover. And I bought it because at the time I was very interested in the occult. I was like a little witchy spiritually kid and I was like, oh, it's a spell book. Well, it was the 90s. It was the 90s. So, <laughs> the 90s, so I thought I'd bought a spell book and then uh, I took at home and I was a little bit disappointed where I was just like what are these what uh I don't think this is what I thought it was and then I kind of realized that it was a game but when and I kept reading through it but I was trying to work out what it would look like to play this game and I just I couldn't Uh, it seemed so weird oh boy what I find funny about that story is that you as a small child picked up a Dungeons and Dragons book thinking it was literally a book of spells which is kind of the concern Satanic a lot, panic. A lot of the conservative groups in the 80s had, so you proved them right. Great, good stuff. Uh, I mean, I did want to use it to vanquish my enemies. Of so. course. Well, why wouldn't you? That's amazing. So, your first character, can you remember them at all? Can you remember what vampire you played? And, and very, very importantly, how long was your trench coat? Uh... <laughs> I can't, I really can't remember. I really mm. wish I could. Mm-hmm. Um, you Do you remember the archetype of a character I played in one of our games that was the librarian type? Yeah, I think you were a maquette. You were like sort of a sneaky but intellectual yeah, academic type. I think I actually called her Sabriel after the Garth Nix book. Oh, cool. Um, and I, I think that character that I played with you was kind of like an elaboration on that early character. So oh, okay. You know, before I started uh, playing lots of different kinds of characters and exploring different traits, I did what most people do, which is kind of project yourself into Mm -hmm. a most ideal version of yourself or something that you like the idea of. And so I kind of liked the idea of, you know, the gothy librarian type, the the research nerd, the uh, person who, you know, was valued for what they can contribute with their knowledge so i think from what i recall it was that kind of of type of character but any more than that i I couldn't tell you um no that's okay you so you don't for, for the record tom mostly gms um you have played over the years very rarely yes but i actually do, i'm one of these weird people that doesn't really like to play yeah i, I mostly prefer the gm but you do have one character that i recall that you played quite seriously for a while was that jothas yes actually so that was one of the first long-term games that i played and that was a a human paladin in a second edition game, like my first real campaign that I played, I guess. And that was uh, definitely, definitely a character that I played for probably the longest, because that was a few months, which was way longer than I've played a a character since. There was also a vampire that I played 
in a Vampire the Masquerade game in my in high school, which was a really great game as well. And uh, I think that the GM for that, she was a really great influence on how I GM and all kinds of things. You know, like definitely. The, the, I have played certain characters for a, a little while, but the vast majority of the time, I prefer to GM and don't really like to play. Mm. Uh, mostly because, not because I wouldn't like playing at all, but just because it's one of those things I just sort of sit there thinking, well, this is almost like GMing, <laughs> but not quite, you know? Mm. It's sort of, it's why I resisted board games for so long. Because I would sit there and be like, well, you know, particularly games like HeroQuest and whatnot, the more sort of RPG-style board games, it would just be, this is like my favourite thing, but not quite as good or not quite the same. Do you think it's the creative agency that you have over the world with being a a GM versus a player character? No, um, I actually don't necessarily like, uh, because, of of course... (sighs) The question that always comes up is when you say, oh, I mostly prefer to GM and don't like to play, is, oh, so you're a power freak. You're, you're, you're yeah, a- that's right. Well, I know for a fact that you're not a control freak. So. Control freak, yeah, or, or exactly right. But no, no, so for me, it's mostly just the fact that for whatever reason I started off GMing, it's what I did the most. It's it's something that I really like is kind of imagining the whole world in my head. And, you know, I guess kind of being that sort of facilitator, being that master of ceremonies, mm. as the Apocalypse World games call it. I think to me that's my favorite term for a GM, by the way, is master of ceremonies. I think mm-hmm. it's just a really great, you know, it's better than narrator or storyteller or referee or anything else like that. So the idea of just being, I don't know, having a whole world go in my head, which just seems to happen for me a lot anyway, just randomly with the way my brain works. So, and also in large part, it's because that's traditionally what I've done. And, and that's what I grew to love. It's your comfort zone of gaming. Exactly right. Mm. Exactly right. And, and really it's just, it's just the fact that playing is kind of like jamming, but not quite the same and not quite as good for me. And you haven't jammed very much. No, um, that's something that I, I want to work on personally, but is a, a point of uh, lack of confidence for me. I'm most comfortable when I can create and write adventures for people like you to run. Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky enough that you like them and you want to run them. Yes. And I like seeing them play out. I think largely while, you know, our first campaign for Shared Sagas is d and I'm on of, of the spectrum of kind of like narrative games and like crunchier more uh rules uh, mechanics focused game i'm much more narrative so i like D, but for me it's quite complicated and i'm somebody who struggles quite seriously like you can, you can probably hear this on the podcast it's quite embarrassing i struggle with maths my brain just doesn't work that way i'm here for the for the experience of storytelling and creating something collaboratively so when I go into this idea of of wanting to GM um, and being that I mostly have experience with games that are more kind of you know rules focused rather than narrative it's intimidating yeah Um, and you've I mean you and I have discussed different systems that I can I can use Mm -hmm. to overcome that there are lots of systems that are not D&D, that are more narrative-focused, and I think it's probably just about becoming familiar with them um, and mostly just building up that confidence. Um, it's, yeah, it's something that I want to do, but 
I'm confident in a lot of areas in my life and not necessarily <laughs> that one. No, well, I, I can't wait for you to, uh, to finally do it because I know that you're going to be fantastic and even better than me. So actually, for that reason, I'm okay with you holding off for as long as you want because... Uh, I like being <laughs> for this for this brief window of time. I like being the best GM in the house. But that, that that'll, that'll change as soon as you get behind the screen for even uh, a brief amount of time. But yeah. speaking of origins, I guess, and picking this one for the podcast, we should talk about the origins of the podcast and, and actually why we chose this particular adventure and the system and all that kind of thing. So you, I think, really were the one that suggested it originally, and this is so many years ago. So yeah. we are quite late to the party in actually making it happen but we've been talking about making a podcast together actual play and otherwise more formats like this where it's conversational for the Mm. entire length of our relationship which is eight and a half nine years or something in total now yeah and we took some steps forward and then we you know fell on the back burner and we took some steps forward again Mm. and But I I, want to take this moment to acknowledge, actually, I think the major thing that got us from just talking about it into doing something more about it, which is uh, this wonderful gift of the microphone that we're recording on right now. So our friend Robert Denny, uh, in a a beautiful, uh, thoughtful gift, and knowing that this is something that we wanted to do, got us this microphone. Yes. Shout out to Rob. I don't think this podcast would exist right now if it wasn't for that lovely gift, so that, thank that you. That was the final kick. It was going, oh, we've got this piece of technology. Let's record ourselves and see what we sound like. Exactly. And not and not even just the actual physical gift itself, but also just the, I don't know, just the gift of support of, you know, having our friends say, hey, you should really do this. And we've had, we've had people say that a lot as well. I think it was just That's a combination right. of people hassling us enough, particularly with the resurgence of things like Critical Role and how much, you know, role playing has taken off. Mm. It was, it just sort of seemed the, the time to finally do it and um, i thought we, we should start with you know one of the big ones either dungeons and dragons or world of darkness dungeons and dragons one we sort of talked about what we wanted to try yeah picking picking the actual system um and campaign for the first podcast i think or the first campaign of of the podcast yeah uh, was probably simpler actually because yes. it really was this default of well a lot of people like Dungeons and Dragons. It is the biggest game. Yeah, we exactly have familiarity right. with that. It's a it's a safe bet. And so we did go with D and D. Yes. But, you know, I wanna point out and you know, as well, there's there's lots of other systems and I think that that's something we're very much going to be exploring in the podcast as well. Absolutely. Once this campaign concludes, we'd look at something else. Because uh, as much as I love D and D there is a little bit of an oversaturation of it within the the medium. It would help to have us be something a little bit different as well. Yeah. Uh, but no, so we look we, over the course of this podcast lifetime, I imagine we're going to see a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, but we're also going to see a lot of other sort of systems as well because our group Because we, we, we play, we've played a lot of systems in yeah. the past. Uh, and so Tom reads a, a lot of different systems and we've played a lot over the years as well, especially with one shots, just trying new systems and trying new things. Yeah. And that's something else uh, for those that are listening and enjoy things so far is we do intend to actually start having some one shots as well. Mm-hmm. So just so you can get a, a wide variety of different things here and there, you know, things that wouldn't necessarily work for a whole campaign, but, you know, we enjoy doing for a session or two. Yeah. The general format is we're going to have our main seasons, which are going to be the, the long form campaigns like Dragon Heist right now. Normally, we're not going to be crazy long with those. I think Dragon Heist is probably going to end up being about 30 something episodes, about sort of 15 to 16 sessions. Mm-hmm. And... 
we'll have some sort of mini campaigns, which will be about maybe three to five sessions mm -hmm. or more. And then we'll just have some straight up one shots and try a whole, whole bunch of different things. But I chose Dragon Heist for the first one in particular because it finds a good medium point between being something which is relatively new. It's over a year old, but it's also not so new that everybody's playing it now and people will be overly concerned with spoilers, right? Because when a published adventure first comes out, a lot of groups start to play it and so their GM doesn't want them listening to the podcast in case they get ahead and uh, suffer some spoilers and such. So it was an adventure that had been out for a year and normally these published adventures after a year of being out have, you know, had a lot of discussion about them. And so the idea would be that you can see what issues people have run into and maybe try to overcome some of those issues. Because no published adventure is perfect, as wonderful as many of them are, like Dragon Heist and Curse of Strahd and a whole bunch of other ones. A lot of the times they can be improved. That was sort of essentially why Dragon Heist, basically. What I would like to know, um, a large part of, of what creating a, a podcast is and producing a podcast is uh, is the editing so could you tell me a little bit about your experience in uh, learning how to edit how did you learn how to edit uh, and what were some of the challenges of doing so yeah so the main challenge is that I'm not very tech smart I'm not very tech savvy at all and so I really was learning an entirely new skill uh, so for those that are wondering the our basic format, just behind the scenes, I guess, is that we record every Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. We normally record for a little over three hours, and that'll be a session, which I do what I describe as very light to medium editing. So just to explain that, we, generally speaking, our group is very focused, and we're very, very on topic. So that we don't really, I don't really need to do sort of very heavy editing at all, but occasionally there'll be an extended lookup of the rules or a little debate about something that really isn't helping anything and can just be cut out. Or, you know, people will have to take a quick bathroom break or go downstairs to answer a phone call. So I, obviously I, I edit all that stuff out. And any really long pauses for no particular reason, all that kind of thing. Uh, if people really talk over the top of each other for a brief moment, then I'll just say, wait, just, sorry, do that again. I'll let that out. But I don't cut out every um and ah. I, I don't, you know, we, we still have our, mis uh, our misspeaks and our missteps and our ums and ahs and things like that, because I, I do still want us to sound relatively real, you know, that whole sort of you're listening to someone's gaming group situation. But, you know, trimming out a lot of extended waffle or tangential conversations that don't have anything to do with the game. So if people go on a side tangent referencing how oh this monster is kind of like that thing in that video game oh boy that video game is tough isn't it so you'll hear a couple of little conversations like that because they're sort of tangentially related to the game but mm. we try to cut out things that um can really break the immersion i suppose and it's not the case where you're fully immersed in a story but uh, at the same time pop culture references are all fun and good but having too many of them can be a little bit jarring especially if you're kind of in the middle of a you know a, a serious conversation with a notable npc and you know there's uh, some some emotional points there Eve, Eve, yeah exactly right but even so unless they're very long uh, unfortunately you'll still hear the occasional one here and there mostly because we're super funny yeah well uh, nick nick was terribly disappointed because i cut out a i think it was literally a six minute hannibal lecter impersonation that he did which had absolutely nothing to do with anything it was while I was looking something up and he just went hello Caddis and we just went on for five minutes while I was and I, and I couldn't stop him because I, I had to read and look something up and later on he found out that I'd cut it he was devastated so 
sorry, man, but that was six minutes of Hannibal Lecter, which didn't really have a lot to do with Waterdeep. So post in the comments if you want Nick to do his own Hannibal Lecter impersonation podcast. Do not post in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so that's where we are. We I do really like to medium editing. Still takes a long time because I'm slow and not really skilled at it yet. But you know, it's it's fine. I, but I, how I did you pick up on that skill? Just practice. Just just absolutely just practice. Just watching a few YouTube videos. You know, these days, if you want to learn how to do anything tech-wise, there's a million YouTube videos. A third of those are actually half useful. Maybe a tenth of them are actually really useful and fit exactly what it is you're trying to do in your learning style. So, yeah, that was that was pretty much all there is to that. That's our general format. Yeah, that's right. We, we don't use... Uh, we've quite a, got quite a basic setup. We've just got the single mic. Uh, we don't have... Uh, like lapel mics we don't have multiple mics on the table we've just got the one uh we've got my 12 year old computer which is a mac uh and you know we've got a, a free program um which we use to edit audacity yes of course which is very common audacity is great yeah from what i hear that is that's the thing to use so generally speaking then how do you come up with a PC? You can't remember your original one, uh, but, you know, going forward, how, how, for example, did you come up with Jez? And as a general rule, how do you come up with a PC? Yeah. So I guess, as I was saying before, you know, when first going into tabletop gaming, you know, you kind of want the uh, escapism of playing a character who you know, can embody the kinds of things that you like best about yourself or that you want to be and you're not and all of this kind of thing. You know, it, for me, it's not necessarily a power trip thing because I'm not about combat or killing monsters. But, you know, there's still a lot you can kind of get from uh, role-playing a, a, a character who, you know, is is the true kind of heroic archetype in your mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at first, definitely, I was playing those kinds of characters. And then being a writer and being a storyteller, I kind of just like exploring different kinds of, of people and playing different roles and challenging myself to to play those roles, even when there's something that I don't have a lot of knowledge about or may not identify with automatically. And so for me, I'm very experimental as I am with like a lot of aspects in my life. With Jez, I think I, I did choose something that was a bit more within my comfort zone because again, mm-hmm. you know, there's this considerations of kind of doing things right for our first campaign with Jed yeah. Targa's being a little bit more conservative and within our comfort zone. So Jez was, you know, being kind of like the punky, tough girl character uh, who with a little bit of an attitude, but truly a heart of gold is something that, you know, is is quite fun. You know, I I base her off Tank Girl, (laughs) uh, who I I love uh, as a character. And it gives me the opportunity to be a little badass, be a little funny, be a little sweet and, you know... uh, have some complexity to to who she is yeah she's she's i think she's all of those things mm. and uh you mentioned tank girl uh as an influence a pop culture reference i guess mm. or a touchstone that you used is that something you often do like do you do you typically start with an idea of what you want to play and then maybe look for a pop culture character that you can help get some influence from or or, or is that just a coincidence uh, 
sometimes, yeah, because a lot of the time, you know, when we're describing what our characters look like, we'll tend to make some reference to a known figure, whether it be a celebrity or a character in a TV show, things like that. And that gives us a sense of what they look like and maybe what their attitudes are like. So Mm -hmm. in some sense, I can kind of get it from there. Sometimes I just get a concept in my head and it probably is through consuming media. It's probably through watching a show on Netflix or having uh, read a comic book or even just like seeing a meme and it gives you an idea for something Mm. and then going from there so really I don't try to replicate uh, a, a cultural touchstone or anything like that because sometimes what they are those tropes is quite one dimensional right and if I can and if I'm doing it right um what I like to experience you know is things like character development Mm -hmm. I I like the option for my character to be reactive to their environment and then maybe change their mind about something or an event has occurred that makes them behave in a different way all of these kinds of things so for me it's just kind of enjoying exploring the psychology of of someone new Right. Okay. And I realize that you're not a very mechanical focused person or anything Mm -hmm. like that, but do you have any kind of mechanical preferences at all? So, you know, would you say that you prefer to play, you know, just to use D&D terms, you know, roguey fighter types Mm -hmm. as opposed to Mm -hmm. wizards or spellcasters, etc.? Like, how do you draw on that? Definitely. So, for me, I like the ability to, uh, I don't always have to be the talker, Mm -hmm. uh, but I like some ability with that. Because, again, I like role playing. So that supports my, you know, that supports my storytelling. Mm -hmm. But in terms of functionally, I like to kind of be a combination of someone who can sneak in and do some damage and someone who can support. So Mm -hmm. definitely most recently, uh, I I play a lot of rogues. Mm -hmm. uh, And I've also really enjoyed playing like bards and things like that, too. So more support type characters and i think that's probably where i'll i'll start to go over the next couple of campaigns right right yeah i like being supportive because it's again that's just a, a sense of collaboration that you get yes no that's very very true and it's it's funny because i often find that that's kind of a strange opinion that people have where if your character isn't good at talking then you shouldn't do much. And that's not really how it works in real life. How many people do you have? How many friend groups do you have where the person that's the least charismatic or the most obnoxious is the one that actually does most of the talking? Well, that's what I like about (laughs) Hurst. So Mark, uh, one of our players, plays Hurst, who is not a very eloquent character. And Hurst still says lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Some of that stuff is very awkward. Yeah, but it's great. It's uh, yeah, it builds on who he is as a character and it contributes a lot to the story because, as you say, real life is not just pithy one-liners and everybody saying the right thing. Most of the time we're all stumbling all over our words and putting our foots in our mouths and all of that kind of thing. No, exactly right, exactly right. For me with NPCs, I tend to definitely draw on pop culture references and characters just because there's so many it's really useful to have a shorthand to essentially say okay well the mayor of Barovia is basically Christopher Walken done mm-hmm. you know or whatever else and so I'll- when I when I create player characters uh, sorry NPCs uh, non-player characters I do the same thing mm. because you're not they are slightly more one-dimensional 
yeah. you don't get that full experience um, with being it being a player character. Right. Even I imagine, I mean, well, maybe this is me making some assumptions. So when you're playing an NPC mm-hmm. as a GM, I imagine you probably have some favourites and some not favourites. But for the most part, because we have a lot of NPCs in our games, yes. for the most part, they're, they're, there isn't like the depth that you might get with a player character. So being able to draw on some notable characteristics of of a pop culture icon, as you say, is is useful. Exactly right. I, I tend to have a few NPCs, like, you know, maybe the, the main villain or so, or some of the NPCs you'll interact with the most, like the real mainstays of the cast. I put a lot more thought and depth into them. But on the other hand, you know, I don't need to have a three-page backstory in my head for the shopkeeper that you meet mm. this one time if I can just come up with a funny voice because I love to I love to do the funny voices and so forth. So I'll let that inform a lot of what I do and all that kind of thing. And sometimes in a lot of ways, like, the, the players will inform who that person becomes. It's like... It- God, what's that that meme? Is it the Sam Smokel yes. one? Yeah. So, yeah, so who the players end up caring about will definitely inform how much depth I give a certain character. Right. There's definitely characters in this that I did not intend to be mainstays at all until the characters started to care about them a lot and reference them. And so Tabitha the Well-To-Do Toddler is a good example of that. Oh, yeah. And other, other things like that. Characters that were just absolute scenery until people and characters, PCs, sorry, start to interact with them and wanted to keep going back to them. And so it's like, well, okay, great. So no one cares about my big bad villain. Maybe they can become a bit more of a cardboard cutout, actually. But I, I just love how unpredictable it is. Like, yes. you, it just... And as you say, it doesn't matter how many plot hooks you throw in their faces. It's just like, yeah, but that shopkeeper is just <laughs> so alluring. <laughs> I just really want to talk to that fella. One thing that we've learnt from this and from some feedback we've got is that we should probably do something of a little bit of an intro episode zero next time. Mm. Just to kind of introduce not only the PCs before the game begins, just a little quick little interview with each player and, and what what you know character they're going to play. Maybe give a little bit of an overview of the setting, including mentioning some notable NPCs, because that's a bit of feedback that I've got, is that particularly in this one in Dragon Heist, with all the player characters and all the NPCs that are involved in this, which suits us because as a GM, I love my cast of thousands. But it's nice for people listening to have a bit of a bit of an education on who some of them are beforehand. Mm. So we're definitely definitely going to do like an episode zero next time where we just kind of give a little bit more of a setup or an intro, which you can skip. So, you know, for those that don't care, they can just jump into episode one of that one and it'll, it'll be good to go. But I agree. So this has been Tom and Nadia talking about our origin stories Tom's origins with getting into tabletop role-playing games as a GM, mine as a player, the origins of our podcast. And I guess what we're kind of looking for now is, is this the kind of format of episode you like? Do you think that you would like uh, to hear more GM versus PC conversation pieces? Would you uh, like to hear more one-shots? Would you like to, uh, you know, is there particular games and things that you want us to be able to explore in future campaigns? So we want to be reactive to our listeners as well. Mm -hmm. Feedback. Uh, Feedback of all kinds and any kind. And that's, yeah, that's largely what this episode is about. Um, So please do give us an idea of of what you're looking for as, as listeners, what you enjoy most about us, what we could do better. And... Please uh, feel free to leave a review or a rating. 
contact us directly via Twitter uh, or through our Facebook page, mm-hmm. which is Shared Sagas on both. Uh, we want to hear from you. And also, really, just a really big thank you to anybody who's been listening to us so far. Uh, we really appreciate it and just love that literally anyone has bothered listening to even half of an episode, let alone, you know, more people than I ever suspected mm. listening to most of them. We, we are really, we're floored by the number of people who are listening to us. Um, this is something that we, we do every weekend anyway, regardless. It's something that brings us a lot of joy. Yeah. But being able to collaborate and work on something like creating a podcast, creating content for people to listen to and enjoy is really satisfying. And the fact that the people listen to it and like it yeah we've got people who are all caught up and they're listening from week to week and that's pretty impressive considering you know there's now 19 episodes is yeah is wow uh the the appetite for actual play podcasts is really interesting so you let us know uh if there's anything we could be doing better exactly right and look as i say it, it it really bears repeating because people don't often realize how much it really helps. But if you do want to just, you know, leave us a really quick review on iTunes or even just give us a rating or just like our Facebook page, retweet us when we release an episode, all these little things can really help us reach more people. Uh, that's the, the main metric that, that iTunes particularly uses to advertise us internally with other uh, AP podcasts and stuff like that. So, but seriously, just keep listening. Um, if you if you do enjoy, let us know. One thing I definitely want to do at some point is do something like this where we meet the other cast members as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe as a precursor to the next campaign. But you know, just kind of a meet the cast episode. Or if anyone has any ideas for other episode types they'd like us to do, let us know. Yeah, if you got questions for us? Uh, we'll answer them. Yes, absolutely. So thanks very much for taking the time to listen. This is. Shared Sagas, an Australian actual play podcast, doing our GM versus PC first episode. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for listening to Shared Sagas. All music on the show is used under Creative Commons. Check the episode notes for full details.